You are listening to audio provided by FBC Farwell. To find more resources or to donate to this ministry, please check out fbcfarwell.org. If you have your Bible if here or if you're at home watching online, grab your Bible, turn uh, to, the, to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. We're going to start there here in just a moment. Actually, let's just, man, let's just dive in. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. We're going to look at this one verse. We're going to jump off of this one to several others later on in the message. But we're going to start here. Luke chapter 2, verse 14 says this, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people He favors. Let me read that again. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people He favors. Dear Lord, we pray that You would speak to us through Your Holy Word this morning. God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that You would do what only You can do. You can change us, God. You can shape us. You can help us to see that even in the world that we live in today, we, as children of God, have peace. We have You. You are the Prince of peace. We have You. Father, for those who don't know You as Lord and Savior, may today be the day that they come to know You as their Prince of Peace. It's in Your Son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Man, we're going we're gonna to take off from that text, but before we get there, let me just say that someone has said that shopping in crowded stores during the last few weeks of Christmas is so crazy that it will cause you to have Santa Clausophobia. <laughs> wasn't, that, wasn't that good? Come on. Santa. Okay, that's another cheesy joke. No, no, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Save your golf claps for the, the nine holes. That's all right. Hey, the next few weeks are a crazy time of shopping if you can even get out to the stores right it's going to be a a crazy time i think this is why men hate shopping because we do it once a year and we do it during the worst time of the year to go shopping it might not be so bad if we would do it like march the third like what's going on march the third but we do it december 24th like at seven o'clock at night right we hate it no wonder why we hate it and here's what's crazy like like you're already, maybe some of you have already had some events that you're going to. You're already planning, having family over, and what's going to be on the table. And, and this time of year that, that is, is to celebrate the ushering in of peace, Jesus Christ coming to the earth, can oftentimes be the most hectic time of the year. The most unpeaceful time of the year. Dealing with all of the events that we have to deal with. Trying to get all of the presents, making sure that you get the right presents. Making sure you don't forget anyone. Making sure that you're at the right dinner at the right time and you're not sitting across from, you know, that one crazy uncle that we have, right? It can sometimes be a very unpeaceful time. See if you can answer this riddle. You ready? Here's the question. What does Winnie the Pooh and John the Baptist have in common? What does Winnie the Pooh and John the Baptist have in common? Turn to your neighbor and and try to answer that question. What does Winnie the Pooh and John the Baptist have 
in common? Here's the answer. You ready? They both have the same middle name. The. Winnie the Pooh. See, they're getting better, right? They're getting better. I've waited three weeks to tell that joke. I waited three weeks. Yeah, so Winnie the Pooh. And so, so the reality is, here's the point. They don't have a whole lot in common, right? They have nothing in common. Let me ask you, do you have anything in common with peace? That's a point I want to get to. Do you have anything in common with peace? Especially this Christmas season. Or, or has just the weight of all that is going on around us, the, uh, the thought of, of all of the events that are about to take place over the next three or three, four weeks, does it just cause stress and anxiety? I posted an article uh, that I found on Dave Ramsey's website earlier this week or last week on social media. And, and let me just read a, a portion out of it. Uh, they, they write this, a, a few years ago, Healthline did a survey that found that 62% of people said their stress level increases during the holiday season. And that was written before 2020. Imagine that number after experiencing job losses, health crisis, global pandemic, an election. Everything seems to be canceled. Can you imagine what that number is today? Well, the American Psychological Association has shown light on America's mental health in their last Stress in America survey. Here's what they found. That 78% of Americans are stressed out about the coronavirus. 78% of Americans totally stressed out. They also found that one in five adults are worse off mentally now than they were this time last year. Here's the truth. Our modern Christmas season in this country has a good deal of stress and pressure. And then you add on the election season that we have just gone through. You add through coronavirus that we are going through right in this, this very moment. And the deaths that we are seeing. And the stress is out the top, right? The, the peace, the lack of peace is so easy. But yet here we are in this season that we are celebrating the coming of our Lord and Savior, the coming of the Prince of Peace. And yet many Christians are not living a life of peace. Not sure anyone would deny that. That we're struggling. That many people across the board, even Christians, are struggling. Let me share with you something else. Let's go back a couple of thousand years ago. It's also true that the first Christmas was wrapped in stress, was wrapped in fear, was consumed with worry. And so here's the first observation that I want to make this morning, that Christmas means peace. But King Herod was a very worried king at the arrival of baby Jesus. Who was King Herod? Who is this man that we, we hear a lot about during the Christmas season? Who is King Herod? Well, he was a, a, on the, on the uh, just to think about him as a community person or as a political person, he was a master builder. The people loved him because of what he was able to bring to the community. Three of his, three of his most famous uh, builds was the port at Caesarea. Kim and I had an opportunity a couple of years ago when y'all sent us to the Israel to go and see uh, Herod's 
uh, palace there, the remains. There's, there's part of the remains of his palace there at the port of Caesarea. We, had, we were able to go up to one uh, of, his, um, of his forts in, called Masada. Uh, and and uh, I was able to, um, uh, to borrow a rock uh, from Masada. And if y'all ever send us back again, we'll, we'll take it back because uh, we have to return it. Um, he, was also, he was also in charge of the renovation of the Jeru- Jerusalem temple. Um, I was going to get a rock from there, but there was military guys there with long guns, and so I feared it was probably best. I wanted to come back home. Uh, man, he, he brought a lot to the, to the people. He, he brought a lot to the, uh, to the economy. He was, he was a great man as far as his building and bringing, and bringing great things to the nation of Israel. But he was a cruel, cruel man. He executed his wife. He killed his brother-in-law. He slew several of his sons. It was said that it was better to be one of King Herod's pigs than to be one of King Herod's sons. That's how cruel this man was. He made a decree, and we're probably most, if you're familiar with the Christmas story, we're probably most familiar with this decree. He made a decree to kill all the male children under the age of two to eliminate the threat to his throne. He had heard that this king, Jesus, was born. He's like, man, there's no king that's going to take over me, and so I'm just going to, I'm just going to wipe out every male child under the age of two. And, and I'll just, in that sweep of killing all of these babies, I will take out this supposed King Jesus. Listen, Herod the Great was not a man of peace. He had fears, great fears. He often raged in jealousy because he was consumed that someone was going to take his place, that he was going to lose his position in the world, his kingly position. King Herod was worried the first Christmas. King Herod was definitely an unbeliever. And I believe that every unbeliever should worry at Christmas. Wait a minute, that sounds, sounds kind of odd. Well, here's the deal. If a Savior has been born and they choose not to believe, then they should be worried. They are lost. If Jesus is truly King, yet they have not bowed the knee to the King, then they are lost. And here's, here's, here's what I want us to see. I just want us to be reminded for many of us that, that you don't have to be as mean or as immoral as Herod to be lost. And sometimes we read about those stories in the Bible and we think, man, and we, and we look at our own life and we, we do this, uh, this introspection. We go, man, I'm not, I'm not as bad as, as King Herod. Listen, God doesn't clarify. God doesn't categorize, if you will, sin. Living the American dream. Having a, a dusty Bible laid out on the table. Not, you know, being, a, being an upstanding moral citizen or, or, or just, man, you know, I hadn't killed my neighbor or I hadn't killed my kids. Listen, that won't get your ticket punched into heaven. All sin is a rebellion against a holy and righteous God. That's what we see in Scripture. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. That means every single one of us, we have sinned. It doesn't, it doesn't mean, if, <clears throat> doesn't mean if, it's, if it's gossip, that's sin, or if it's, or if it's killing your, your spouse, it's, it's, it's sin. God, God doesn't categorize those two. For all have sinned and fallen short <clears throat> of the glory of God. Here's the good news. So Romans chapter 6, verse 23 <clears throat> says this, For the wages of sin is death, but, oh, this is good, but, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. For we've all sinned, and the wages of that sin is death, <clears throat> but God gives us a gift. And this is what we're celebrating during this season, that Jesus Christ has come. And because He has come, because He has gone to the cross, willingly gone to the cross and died for our sins, listen, we can be right with God. And we don't have to fear, we don't have to worry, we don't have to rage and jealousy that we might lose our position in this world. Romans chapter 10.9 tells us, how we can become a believer. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Oh, King Herod was filled with worry. If King Jesus is the Messiah, He is the Savior of the world, which I believe that He is without any question, then unbelievers ought to be as worried as Herod because they are lost. Here's the second observation I want to make this morning. Christmas means peace, but the shepherds had a great deal of fear at the first Christmas. Christmas means peace, but the shepherds had a great deal of fear at the first Christmas. I love this story. I love to, to try to, to think about putting my, myself in their own shoes or their own sandals, if you will, and wonder what it would have been like to go through what they had gone through. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 9. The shepherds are out in the field. They're taking care of the sheep. Luke chapter 9 says this, Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Absolutely, they were terrified. This is real fear for them. They were filled with great fear. The original Greek says this, phobos, phobo, megos. Phobos, phobo, megos. It literally is this, to fear, fear greatly. Listen, the, when, the, when the original writer here is, is trying to explain to us what's going on, he wants us to see this wasn't like, oh, my, you know, like they got, they got you know, startled a little bit. No, there was great, great fear. And it's not hard to understand it. They were caught totally unaware. They were minding their own business. They're out there watching the sheep doing whatever, you know, shepherds do while they're watching the sheep, whittling, singing, running off coats. I mean, these, these are gruff men. These are rough, manly type of men. They, they, they take care of the sheep, minding their own business. When suddenly, here they are, middle of the night, 
suddenly this great light shines around them. It, the, the, the sky's filled with angels, and they are singing, and one of them begins to speak with them. Can, can you imagine? Put yourself in their own sandals what that would have been like. Fear upon fear upon fear, right? Even if they were fully aware of the coming Messiah, which I believe that they, that they had studied it, they knew some of the Old Testament prophecies, they were not warned in advance that, hey, on this night, while you're out in the fields taking care of the sheep, get ready because an angel is going to appear. Angels are going to appear in the sky and one of them is going to come down and speak to you. No, they didn't get that kind of warning. So, so imagine, just suppose, Suppose Jesus hadn't come in the first century. And suppose that we were still waiting on the Messiah to come. We would be studying the Old Testament prophecies, be looking forward to His arrival, and we would be doing just like they would. They would we would be looking for a king. Now, suppose. Suppose you were given the tasks. Let's say one of the dairies called you or one of the feedlots called you and they said, hey, we want you to come and ride the pens uh, in, in, in amongst our cattle. We want you to stay out there all night long and make sure that nothing harms them. And so you get out there. I think this would be kind of, well, the weather is nice. It's a good horse. I, I, you get out there at night and you're out there and you're riding the pens and you're watching after the cattle. And all the lights in the pen just go dark. Bam. Moon is not out. Clouds covering all of the stars. I mean, it's pitch black. And then all of a sudden, angels, thousands of angels just fill the sky. And one of them flies down and tells you a message. The king is coming. Behold, the king is coming. Is coming. Can you imagine what fear you would have? Consumed by fear. That's our shepherds. Have you ever, you ever said a crisis prayer? Something just scares you and it's like, oh, oh God. Take this away. Like, like, uh. Isn't that, that's somewhat what the shepherds did, but it wasn't just a prayer. They took their fear and they began to worship. They turned it to worship. If you go, keep going. Luke chapter 2, verse 15. Look at what happens. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us, they immediately give, give adoration to God. They recognize that this message could have only come from God. And they act on it. They go to Bethlehem. This isn't always true with us. How many times have we had a crisis prayer of commitment? In the heat of the battle, in the storms of life, we often make commitments to God out of fear. And we become what I call broker, brokers of obedience. Oh God, if you get me out of this situation, I'll go to church every Sunday this month, and it's a five Sunday month, God. <laughs> oh God, 
If you, if you will give me a good report from the doctor, I will fill in the blank. Students know this prayer. Oh God, help me pass this test. I know it'll be a great miracle because I didn't study it all. I didn't listen to the teacher, but God help me pass this test. We've all prayed those prayers. Oh God, help this nice policeman just give me a warning and I will tithe 50% of whatever the ticket would have been. Come on God, please help me just get a warning. Oh God, help there not be a train and I promise I'll never procrastinate. Come on, God. Crisis prayers of commitment and we come brokers of obedience. And how often, how often have we broken those commitments when the heat is gone? I've done it. We've probably all done it. But not so with the shepherds. Their fear was followed by worship. Psalms 111 verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And all who follow His instruction have good insight. His praise endures forever. Oh, listen, Herod worried and raged with jealousy. The shepherds, they feared, but they turned their fear into worship. Here's the third observation I want to make this morning. Christmas is peace. Not but, but and Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior, was very much at peace during the first Christmas. Herod, an unbeliever, filled with worry, filled with rage and and jealousy. Shepherds, fear, turned to worship. And Mary was at peace. She was at peace. Look at chapter 2, verse 19 of Luke. How is she able to have peace in, 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 this, in the same situation? Very similar situation to that, to that uh, as the shepherds. Uh, an angel come to, came to her, yet she had peace. Look at verse 19. But Mary was treasuring up all of these things in her heart and meditating on them. I, I, I think that Mary was the first one that was able to pull everything together. The Old Testament prophecies, the stories that she had heard, uh, just, just the, 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 the angel coming to her and telling her that she was going to be the mother of the Messiah. She's beginning to pull all of this together. All of the others seem to be rattled. They seem to be troubled by the good news. Herod reacted with worry and and, and jealousy. The shepherds responded with fear at the presence of the angels. The wise men, who we didn't even cover, they they were consumed with, uh, this just doesn't make sense. They're trying to uh, make make this linear A, B, C, D, or or, or just making it all make sense. And they're, they're confused by it. But Mary, Mary, she's treasuring all of this up in her heart, and she's meditating. I want you to know something. Mary didn't have all of her questions answered. She had lots of questions, I'm sure. She didn't have them all answered. She didn't understand everything completely. But here's what brought her peace. She meditated on the Word of God. 
She meditated on the word given to her by the angels, which was the word of God. She meditated on the Old Testament prophecies, which was the word of God. She meditated on the faithfulness of God. And in doing so, she had an incredible, indescribable peace. That can only be, that can only be made sense by, by it had to have come from God. I know that some of you have experienced this. I've been with you when you have experienced this. When there has been great loss in your life, and at the, at the news of that great loss, or walking through the process of that great loss, you have been overwhelmed by the peace of God. Just this last week, we have, we've walked with several families who have lost a loved one that they, that they weren't expecting. It just happened. It seemed like overnight. And yet, yet they, they, they talk about this unexplainable peace. Almost... Uh, to, to the, to the um, uh, almost feeling guilty about it. Like, man, I, I, there, there should, I don't know why I feel a, a, a peace. And I, just, I tell them, man, it's, it is the peace of God. You can't, you can't describe it. You can't, you can't explain it. It is the peace of God. And Mary, because she was able to meditate on the Word of God, because she was able to meditate on the faithfulness of God, she didn't have all of her, answers question, or all of her questions answered, but she was able to have peace. And I know that there are many of us who has fears, concerns, confusion here at Christmas. And here's the good news that can lay to rest your fears, that can calm our concerns and bring answers to our confusions. You ready? Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And as for a child of God, not only is your peace, now, now, now watch this, not only is your peace secure by the nail-pierced hands of Jesus Christ, not only is your eternity secure by the nail-pierced hands of Jesus Christ, but listen, you can have peace even today. Because Jesus Christ, who lives inside of you as a child of God, can bring you Peace. He is your daily. He is your moment by moment peace. Listen, that type of peace is only a prayer away. We celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ during the Christmas season. But we don't just celebrate it as old news. Oh, Jesus Christ is coming. One day He is going to come again. Yes, He did. But today, that means that today you and I do not have to be consumed with fear. We don't have to be consumed with worry. We don't have to know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't have to know when COVID is going to end. We can pray for the end. We can pray that, that God would wipe it out, that He would pour grace out on us and He would destroy this demonic virus. We don't have to know the answers to that. Here's what we can know. We can know that the Prince of Peace has come and the Prince of Peace for the child of God lives inside of you and He is only a prayer away. And peace comes. Sometimes it's praying every 30 seconds. Oh God, I'm, I'm consumed with worry. I'm fearful about this. I don't know. Oh God, I think about my grandson that's so young. It's like what kind of world is, gonna, is he going to grow up in? And I, I think how... how Oh God, I can get fearful if I think about that too long. I just, oh God, would you give me peace over this? Will you give, will you give his parents peace over this? And peace comes. Sometimes it's something directly affecting your life at this very second. And it is only a prayer away. 
Oh, we celebrate Jesus Christ's coming. We celebrate that our Savior has come and He he has made a way for us to spend eternity with Him in heaven. And praise God for that. But listen, not only has He come for our eternity, He has come for our today. We can have peace. You can have peace. Just keep asking. Don't quit. Don't quit with asking Him to be your Savior. Ask Him moment by moment and experience His indescribable, overwhelming peace. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this, For a child will be born. This is a prophecy some 700 years before Jesus was ever born. For a child will be born for us. Here's the good news. He has been born. A son will be given to us. Well, guess what? He has been given to us. And the government will be on His shoulders. It has. He will be named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, not only is your eternal security set, you have peace there. Listen, you can have peace today. You can have peace when you begin to think about, oh man, I'm going to that family dinner and so and so is going to be there. I'm going to that company dinner and so and so is going to be there. Oh man, it's just always a stressful time. Um, Kim and I have, so we have this tradition. Uh, we all have, maybe all of us have a tradition, put up a Christmas tree at Christmas time. Um, we decided a long time ago it was a good idea for us to pray. Before we put up the Christmas tree. And before you think that we're super spiritual, well, that's what the preacher does and preacher wife. No, listen. Here's why we do it. We've gotten in some of the best fights putting up the Christmas tree. Anybody else? Anybody else? Like, like no, that ornament doesn't go there. Like, why not? I mean, like, so, so now it is our tradition. Like, we have to pray so we don't, like, destroy Christmas putting up the stinking Christmas tree. Now, that might sound silly to you, but listen, the Prince of Peace brings peace in a trying situation. If, if God would do that for such a silly thing of putting up a Christmas tree, won't He do it for other things in our life? Oh, He will. Listen. Because the Prince of Peace has come, we can wake up every single morning saying this, Oh, good morning, Lord. Great is Your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. You have given me this day to praise You. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Even, even today. Thank you for joining us for worship at FBC Farwell. If you made a decision for Christ, please let us know by contacting Pastor Russ at russ at fbcfarwell.org. We would love to connect with you and walk alongside you in your faith journey. We have some great resources to send you that will help you grow in your faith. As we close, I want to say thank you for listening today. If God leads you to give to the ministry of FBC Farwell, you can text FBC Farwell to the number 77977. Thank you for your generosity.